Hi, my name is DJ Trischler, and this is Process Out Loud, the podcast. It's a space where I reflect on everything that I've learned from teaching and studying during the previous week. Most of the content will refer to my experiences in the Masters of Design program, the MDES, through the School of Design at the University of Cincinnati's College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning, otherwise known as DAP. While there's a lot to cover in one week, I try to keep the episodes brief at about 10 minutes each. I hope you enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Coming to you on a Sunday night because uh, tomorrow morning I will be critiquing, I guess it's uh, senior work at 8 a.m. when I typically record. So I hope you're all doing well. And uh, if I don't have a morning voice, it's because it is evening. So let's dive in. I felt like this week was a bit ho-hum. I'm feeling a little tired and worn out and frankly ready for the end of the semester. It's not completely true. There's a lot I'm looking forward to, but feeling pretty beat up um, and worn down, as I said. So it took me a little bit to find some stuff to talk about this week, but there's actually quite a few things to talk about. So first things first, I usually talk about Welcome to Design, class I'm teaching on Monday nights, and I was just looking up because I like to do this, and apparently, uh, according to another podcast, white people like to do this. I was just looking up the definition of research because I'm teaching about research right now in that class. And the etymology gets to this idea that research is a lot like, or it's connected to the word uh, circus, uh, meaning a circle. And that actually kind of validates me in a lot of ways because I feel like my research process is often a circus um, all over the place. And there's a little bit of a framework. There's always a framework, but it never quite goes the way I want it to. And and it does feel like a three-ring circus in a lot of ways. It makes me wonder why we don't use circles more often in, in these design drawings. And we always use squares or diamonds or hexagons. Um, but yeah, that was that was neat for me. And I think I'm going to talk about that tomorrow night, that that research is a, a verb, much like design is, or at least that's the area we should focus in, less on the noun and more on the verb. And um, yeah, that it, it validates this messy process, knowing it's like a circus. But I'm going to talk about tomorrow night paying attention. And that's, I feel like that's my mission in life is to help people pay attention. I'm actually quite terrible at it myself, but that's why I feel like it's my mission. It's because it stretches me. And actually, when I look up the meaning of that word, attention, that actually means to stretch. And so when we're doing research, when we're doing design, we're stretching ourselves towards something, someone, the group we're working with, the group we're working for. And it means we have to get out of the studio. And that's a lot of what we'll be talking about tomorrow night is doing interviews, uh, doing some like questionnaires or surveys, um, observation, and then something that I'm still kind of new to, but uh, autoethnography, which is kind of studying yourself. Um, ethnography uh, being like a cultural study, um, autoethnography being a self-cultural study. Who am I? What do I bring to the table? What's my mental model? How do I feel? What's my story or narrative? Because that's really important when it comes to um, the outcomes of our research. We, we're not uh, exactly objective, even if we want to be. Um, we're not neutral either. And so that's why I'm going to bring it up with the students. I think it's also interesting that you could teach people you're working with autoethnography so that they could become researchers of themselves rather than you being researchers of them. 
And I think that gives, I would imagine that gives some ownership. I know that, that there's a lot of critiques online about autoethnography and its credibility, but um, I think everything's flawed to some extent. And so why not be open to something that, that gives ownership or allows people to co-design and study themselves? Really cool thing too, I, I went on a hike yesterday just to kind of clear my mind and I was thinking about how to like, give students an example of this without giving them a major project. And a while ago I made some questions um, for a website I started called Short Stories from Long Lives where you, you interview older people and I gave prompts out just so that people didn't have to come up with questions themselves. So I think I'm going to try to recycle that and have students ask those questions that, that I gathered from the web from other sources, and then maybe even put some of their recordings, if they're up for it, on short stories from long lives. So yeah, that's Welcome to Design. It's uh, getting pretty practical. I, I miss the theoretical stuff that I got to talk about at the beginning of the semester, like criticizing design thinking and criticizing human-centered design. And, and now a lot of ways I'm teaching those things, not design thinking exactly, but human-centered design processes. But I think it's, it's good to, to criticize something before teaching it because now the students can kind of hold me to the fire, I can hold myself to the fire, and we can look at things and say, well, that maybe that's not such a good idea there, or how's this context impact this decision? So um, I'm talking a long time right now in this class, so I'll move to the next thing. In design strategy, I'm working with a team. Um, there's three of us, and one of my colleagues is in Bogota, Colombia, and the other colleague is in actually Alabama, but she's from Taiwan. And we've been studying homelessness and people experiencing homelessness specifically. And just learning that there's a lot of stigmas there. I think I probably talked about this last week, but um, I actually went to a shelter myself this, this week and volunteered. I've been talking to a friend who's really been coaching me and getting me over the hurdles I have. I practiced a little autoethnography myself where I recorded a video or an audio journal on the way to the shelter, um, prompted by questions my teammates asked me. And then I also answered some questions afterwards. And I was really nervous to go for whatever reason, which it's probably just fear of like what to say. And I actually know why, because I, I said it in my diaries, was like, what do I say? How do I act? Um, a lot of just unknowns. But afterwards, I just, I wanted to go back. And I went with my church, and sadly, they're not doing it for the next two months. But I'm excited to get back there or even work with my friend who um, drives around um, and befriends people experiencing homelessness and, and works with them to clean up parts of the city, downtown specifically. So that's really neat. And then I think what's also interesting is just seeing the commonalities amongst our cities. And I keep hearing this idea like the human condition doesn't change, um, even with new developments in technology. But... It's true. It does seem like, though there might be different details in our cities, um, the same like stigmatizations are happening. The same, um, I don't know, just like troubles with mental health or addiction. Um, the same needs of just wanting to be seen, noticed. Um, my friend who I interviewed last week just said that as soon as you become homeless, the first thing you want to know is where you're going to sleep. The second is what are you going to eat. The third is what are you going to wear? Where are you going to get clothes or bathe? And then the third, finally, is um, if you're into it, drugs and alcohol. But like that's what we all want is 
place to sleep, a place to eat, and some clothes, right? That's all we really need, and, and some friends and community. And so I thought it was interesting just to see that come back, which actually I think relates to my first project where people are seeking community outside cities and eco-villages, and um, it also relates too to the Design Issues project I'm working on with van dwellers, and um, a lot of ways being forced into vehicles some by choice, but often I feel like this, yeah, I'll get into that in a second, but a lot of connection, a lot of inter-related ideas. And type, I think I'm just learning that every project is a chance to grow from the previous project. No one project is going to be perfect, and you got to evolve and, and change with the students and their needs and the circumstances. And so I'm really excited. We're doing a project. If you look at my Instagram, you'll see that I'm playing with type for um, this thing I'm doing where I'm meeting folks at my compost pile in the backyard. And I'll get into that in a second. But just, again, it's research. It's it's a circus, right? Taking these words, rearranging them in so many different ways, and seeing what the best outcomes are. Not because they're measurable outcomes, like one succeeds better at getting people's attention, but just like seeing with our eyes, noticing better compositions. Um, and so that's fun. They're not doing the compost pile thing, but they have a weather, weather information or a, a dance theater production information. But I'm trying to do this every week is like, I'm rambling here. Um, so I'll pause there. Um, but I think the big thing is just learning from every project. And I'm also learning so much from critiques. We've been critiquing rag profiles and letting and kerning of, of, uh, paragraphs and, paragraph indicators and every week I learn something new that I didn't know before and it just gets back to this idea if you really want to learn something teach it I, I think I'm a much better typographer communication designer after teaching welcome design and typography this semester finally in design issues but trying to design something new every week and last week I designed this anti-capitalist camping guide which actually got me thrown out of a, a Facebook group just because it, it is divisive. And the OG of um, Van Dwelling called me out on it too. And so this week, what I'm trying to do is when I talked to Bob Wells or when he emailed me, I should say, he just talked about cha challenging these sanctuaries we call houses and how they're actually setting us up not to be free and how living in a vehicle he didn't say this, but living in a vehicle, it's minimal. You have less like overhead. And it, I guess it reminds me of that. Uh, who is it? Levittown, the guy who, who started Levittown. He said, if you want to prevent communism, give everybody a mortgage uh, because they're going to be too busy focusing on that to do anything else. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I also think that what I'm learning is um, I, I think people do want to live in vans and it's, and it's, it's an option, but it sometimes gets glorified as being like this really great thing when there's problems in our society that cause this to, it's a symptom, really. It's like getting sick and saying, oh, it's 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 okay, like I'm happy to be sick. Um, and, and granted, there are people that do live in vans and they're not necessarily symptoms of the problematics, problems we have in society. But what I wanna create all in all, what I'm trying to say here is I'm creating a brand that exists in the future that helps people move from their house into a vehicle. And it's called the Department of Automobile Homes.
And I think the tagline is going to be something like, they're the agency agency, meaning everybody should have a choice to live in a car or live in a house or move back and forth. Nobody should be forced to do that. And the way we live in our homes today sometimes forces us to do that. The way our society is set up sometimes forces people to live in a car, live in a tent. And when we glorify these things, we, we might miss out on the fact that there's actually problems that we need to, to focus on and maybe work as a community to solve instead of just glorifying living in a van or glorify living in tent cities. Um, I'd actually much, much rather everybody tries to find a way to live in community um, outside of cities or near cities and depend on each other and have the option for travel and have the option to go different places or visit other communities. But I'm, I'm just not sure about um, the transient nature of, of van dwelling and how glorified it is. Um, I think that's problematic. And so, yeah, I'm not accusing anybody that lives in a van of, of causing that problem. I just think that there's societal problems that we need to look at. And um, the van becomes kind of a Trojan horse, a distraction from what's really wrong. And so I, I want to call attention to that. I want to make that common through a fictitious brand. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but um, we'll see. And I'm going long here today, but I, I'm feeling it. So I'm going to keep going. A lot, lot to talk about. Um, going to get a little spiritual here and personal, but this isn't related to teaching or taking classes, but I have a spiritual director. And I was just talking to her about um, just some of the like things, feelings I've been having, and I won't get into all the details, but she kind of alluded that I might have um, a, a, like a prophet type personality, which again, won't get into all the details of that. Um, but in, in, in Christian circles, there's there's like prophets, um, apostles, teachers, evangelizers, shepherds. And I recall like my, one of my favorite people, Frederick Buechner, he says that a prophet doesn't tell the future. It just like maybe tells the truth or like reveals what people need to see. And in our circles and, and of the Christian tradition, it's, it's the word of God, right? And so just interesting, like thinking about these things, like as a designer, making things common, that's something I gravitate towards. feels like that's what the prophet did. It was, his, was to like make things common that needed to be made common. Like people aren't living in the ways that they should be living or um, glorifying van life or glorifying um, or stigmatizing homeless people that like it's really easy as like, you know, awesome anti-Trump liberals to like say we care about homeless people, but that you want to criminalize panhandling because it makes your pretty city not so pretty. Um, and so there's all these like contradictions, right, that I feel that I want to make common um, so that we all can kind of live in peace better together and not stigmatize one another. So I, I don't know. All that to say, I'm interested in what that means more and I'm learning in it. The other thing I'll say is with winter coming, just feeling a little down because we're inside so often in front of computers, watching Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, whatever it is. And my neighbors are doing the same thing next door and we could be together. But because of COVID, it's hard to feel safe being together inside. And, um, you know, even now I have a cold and it's like, well, I was inside with somebody, one of my neighbors. What is it? What's going on? There's a lot of fear. And so 
the days just start to blend together and we need stuff to look forward to. And so even if it's cold, decided to try this thing this week called uh, Meet Me at the Compost Pile, where uh, my neighbors and I can meet at the compost pile in our backyard and just talk about life. And then even just looking at compost, seeing this crap, this banana peel, whatever, it's going to turn into dirt that's going to make our garden in the spring. I wonder if that ritual will be helpful. And if anything, I hope it's nice just to like see people. And even if it's cold and our breath is coming out of our mouths, we could see our breath and be near each other. Um, I think that'll be really, 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 really helpful. Um, so I just encourage you all to think about ways to create rhythms with your neighbors every week. Maybe it's your cohort in school. Um, last but not least, I'm, I talked about autoethnography earlier, and um, I'm really interested in that, like just studying myself, studying my quirks, studying and seeing patterns in me that can help me whether it's like learn what my thesis is through writing thesis questions every day on Instagram or even keeping this podcasting, tracking all the tab tags that I, I write and noticing like what comes up or doing a word cloud of all the things I write and um, speak in this podcast. And so I feel like we oftentimes don't take that step to learn about ourselves. And, and honestly, when I, when I hear and go to things about racial equity, inequity, and um, learning how to be a better society with one another. I feel like taking stock of ourselves is a big part of it, and not taking stock of others. Um, and so I'm wondering if my thesis might go in that direction with, with autoethnography and understanding how to use that in our own lives. I know it's been done before through like StoryCorps and all these other places, but I love memoirs. I love media and making podcasts or recording videos and making audio recordings. Um, and I love like personal manifestos and branding or not branding, like in the big B sense, but like identity, discovering our identity. And so I'm curious, like autoethnography and identity, autoethnography and media, um, and as communication designers, all this stuff that is data, like we can take this and make a poster out of it or make something in our house, on our wall, or whatever, um, or in your van. Um, so I'm going to stop there because I'm almost at 20 minutes. Last week I gave you 15 or 5 minutes. This week I'm giving you 18. So hopefully it'll, it'll even out. Um, but if any of you are listening out there and there's something I say that resonates, please reach out. Just look on my website or, or hop on Instagram and send a message. I think this is a kind of a call for uh, relationship and connection. Um, it started as a way for me to learn about myself through this, but now that I'm putting it out there, um, yeah, if you ever just want to chat, have tea on Zoom um, or meet at the compost pile, let me know. But I hope you're having a wonderful day. Happy election day week. Um, I, I pray that uh, you would not be overcome by whatever the outcomes are and um, that you would seek connection with others and um, look within yourself this week in ways that maybe you haven't before. Um, but uh, yeah, God be with you. Have a good night. Bye.